Welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast, where we visit with legends of the game. Touchdown, touchdown. Including players and coaches from the NFL, college football, and beyond. And now, fresh off the end of the bench, Stacy Bauman and NFL legend Preston Denard. All right, welcome everyone to the Gridiron Icon Podcast. We're so glad to have everyone here. You can find us anywhere around the corner, all podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it, you can find us. YouTube, go right to it if you want to see these wonderful faces. Uh, we got a wonderful show for you this evening. And before we get to it, ladies and gentlemen, my partner. And I won't say in cry, Mr. <laughs> Stacy Bauman. Let's welcome him to the show. Stacy. Hey, good to see you, my friend. I am excited for our guest tonight. Oh, I am. Too. I think everybody else will be. And I got some good stories to tell, too. So, oh. But let's get to it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have a special guest. And he comes to us from the state of Arizona, where his accomplishments on the gridiron include induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. He was a Super Bowl champion, a pro bowler, coach of the year, two-time champion of the Arena Football League, and named Arizona's Athlete of the Oof. Century. Oof. Oof. Wait a minute. I grew up in Arizona. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I don't match the weight of this gentleman. Ladies and gentlemen. That's, it's the last century. The la- <laughs> oh, that's the only God. problem with that deal. Ladies and gentlemen. Counts. The Dallas Cowboy himself, Mr. Danny White. Welcome, Danny. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. Oh, man. You know what? I I was telling Stacy. I said, you know, Danny and I are closer than you think we are, and we don't see each other all the time, but um, I I used to, in 74, when he got drafted, I was a senior in high school, just finishing. I went to the University of New Mexico as a freshman. And playing in the Western Athletic Conference back then, playing against those Sun Devils. And I grew up wanting to be a Sun Devil, and it didn't happen. But the closest I came is that gentleman coached my oldest son in arena football and had one of the greatest times. Danny, thank you for that personally, and welcome to the show. Well, uh, thank you for having me on, guys. And and I can can tell you that uh, young Ryan Denard is a – chip off the old block. What a, what a <laughs> pleasant young, I don't know where he got it. He must've got it from his mom, but yeah, he didn't get it from me. You know, I'm not that tough. There's nothing, there's nothing, no better way to find out what someone's made of than to coach them. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you find out very quickly what they're made of and, and he, oh my gosh. Uh, every, everything everything you asked and more. And if I had more Ryan Denards on my team, I'd have won a lot more championships. Uh, oh, That's, man, bless wow. your heart. Bless your heart. Man, hey, you know, he I, was, he's a great one. That is outstanding, man. Just, I appreciate it. Thank you. I know yeah. he will, too. And, yeah. you know, that was a kid. You'll love this quick story, and then we want to get to you. Um, when he was in high school, starting as a freshman, he wanted to go to the gym. And uh, he woke me up. I said, well, wake me up tomorrow morning. He wakes me up at five in the morning. 
I said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to the gym, Dad. I'm going to meet Coach there. I said, wait a minute. Somebody's there at 5 in the morning at the high school? He says, yeah. <laughs> he did that his entire four-year career. That was the kind of kid. I believe it. Didn't wow. have to ask him twice. Well, that man, let's, let's get to you. Thank you. Kudos for that. I'm so glad he was a part of your history and um, just yeah. made him that much better of an athlete. So let's start from the beginning, my friend. I knew I grew up watching you. I admired you guys. I mean, your receivers. Oh, my gosh. You had some outstanding receivers those years. And and, and I don't know all of them that you played. Now, did you throw the Morse ones? Yes. Okay, you threw the Morris and well, uh, Morris was here, here behind me. Morris Owens, Greg Hudson, yeah, Greg Steve, Hudson. Hol- Steve Holden was yeah a year ahead of me. Okay, um, but so my sophomore year, I had Steve, Steve Holden, Joe Petty, mm-hmm, um, Joe Petty had had some, and then my senior year, a young guy by the name of Michael Haynes my came Haynes. along. And he would have been the greatest receiver in the history of ASU. But Frank Cush thought he needed help on defense. And so he moved him over to the defensive side. And all he did was go on to make be an all-pro cornerback, as you know, for the New England Patriots and and the NFL all-25-year team. And yeah. So Michael was kind of a part of that. Woody Green and Benny Malone were my yep. running backs. Brent McClanahan. Brent McClanahan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we had we had some fun some fun experiences together, and uh, thirty two and four in those three years. Wow. And won the first three Fiesta Bowls. Actually, yeah. it's the timing's interesting because we're having our. 50-year reunion of Fiesta Bowl 1, 2, and 3 champions tomorrow. Oh, really? Tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday is is the reunion for those three teams. So everybody's coming together and uh, we get to tell some lies. (laughs) But there's nothing like like winning (laughs) to – to bring a, a group of guys together, and and we're as close today via email and and chats and things like that as we've ever been. Oh, That's what a blessing! Well, well, let's yeah. get this thing going. We want to hear from you. First of all, disclaimer: you know, it could be Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but I thought it, I thought it was D- Danny White. Oh, but it also could be Denard. So, with yeah. that said, my friend, I've covered all the bases. <laughs> Tell us how Danny White got started in this athletic journey, baseball, football. I don't know what other sports you played, but tell us about it when you first got involved in football and other sports as a young man. Yeah, I played. I played them all. My dad was uh, was an All American football player at uh, ASU, right? At, yep. at Mesa High School, and um, then played for the Chicago Bears and George Hallis for four years before he blew out his knee. Wow. So growing up, uh, it was just it was just in my blood, um, yeah. and it was it was not just football. It was every sport, whatever was in season, uh, I was doing it, including track. I I was second in the state in the long jump and you know, wow. long jump and high jumped, and and um, I remember my dad driving me from the track over to the baseball field 
<laughs> me in the back seat changing uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> one or the other. Um, but yeah, I I just loved it. Baseball was my favorite sport growing up, mm-hmm. and and in mm-hmm. fact, I went to ASU on a baseball scholarship. And uh, uh, of course, the baseball scholarship back then was like gold at, at mm-hmm. ASU because ASU was in the national championship every year. So um, I just thought that was going to be my ticket to professional baseball. Wow! Only wow. how things change. <laughs> Unbelievable. And this is, uh, I think for anybody listening, they'd love to hear the story of how Frank Cush punting and baseball <laughs> scholarships all collided into a guy that is uh, a renowned football quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I my dad and I went to every ASU football game. We're about five miles away from the stadium. And every game, never missed one. Mm-hmm. And most of the basketball games. Um, so, but I never dreamed in my wildest dreams that I would wear an ASU football uniform, let alone be a quarterback. So, so I, I accepted the baseball scholarship and, um, there were five quarterbacks on the freshman team. Joe Spagnola was a senior quarterback and he graduated. And so, between my freshman and sophomore years, though all those other quarter, I was a defensive back and a punter. And and my freshman year was spent with a cast on my arm playing receiver and defensive back. Wow. And covering at our night practices, I I, I remember like it was yesterday, going over to the because we played most of our games at night. At night, yeah. Being in the West and the heat and everything. I would cover J.D. Hill. No. In practice, <laughs> I was I was the practice dummy for J.D. And and if you ever, if you ever talk to J.D., ask him about me as a. Oh, he'll be have plenty. I would line up about fifteen yards off of him, in a track stance, ready to run the other way because he was <laughs> not going to beat me deep. He was, and it made him so mad. He called me. Yeah, remember now, I'm a little freshman nobody. J.D. called me every name in the book. Get your sorry (laughs) butt up here and cover me and don't stand back there, you you coward. And and he never did beat me deep. And to this day, we we laugh about it. But um, So that was my freshman year. And then all these quarterbacks on the freshman, they transferred. And and so it kind of ended up with Grady Hurst being the incumbent Mm -hmm. quarterback and me as a backup even though I only played one year of quarterback in high school. I was hurt. I got a concussion my junior year, missed the whole season. Wow. Um, so I played one year. Uh, Frank Cush saw me in the all, in the Arizona State All-Star game, um, which was held in June up in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. And I started at free safety, and I was the backup quarterback. Well, I, in the first half, I intercepted three passes. And in the second half, I played quarterback and threw three touchdown passes. And we won the game 21 to 20. I was, wow. also, I was also a kicker, a place kicker. Um, and Frank Cush was at that game. And up until then, they had not offered me a scholarship for anything. Wow. And all of a sudden, he started showing some interest in me. And, and I think that game is what did it. And then... And then 
my sophomore year, we went up to Camp Tonazona, and Coach Cush, typical of Frank Cush, he put me in one day with the starting offense up at camp just to see what Grady would do, mm-hmm. how he would react to it. Grady quit. Oh, he got wow. and quit, and he left, hitchhiked home, and all of a sudden, like that, I'm the starting quarterback <laughs> as a sophomore, and we went down for the first game, and and um, I'm out on the field. Here I am in this stadium where I went to all those games with my dad and all those yeah. people. And Coach Cush came comes up to me and says, "Hey, White, you look nervous." <laughs> said, That's him. Said, That's Coach, him. Coach, to be honest with you, I I am a little nervous. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect this, and he said, "Ah, don't worry about it." There's 11 guys out there. Ten of them are better runners than you are. Just get them off the center and give it to somebody without dropping it, and we'll be fine. Wow. That was that was that, his pep talk. That's right. And, good. you know, I, I as I think back on it, I, I made a career. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? I made a career out of getting the ball from the center and getting it to somebody without dropping it. Mm. And I – I was on that. Somebody was always. It was Woody Green. It was Benny Malone. It was Brent McClanahan. It was Tony Dorsett. It was Drew Pearson. You know, it just wow. it just followed me, and wow. um, we just had a great team. And like I say, we we won the first three Fiesta Bowls, and I didn't. I I really didn't do that much, but I found out very quickly that playing quarterback for ASU's football team was a heck of a lot more exciting than standing out in the center field waiting for someone to hit a ball to me. <laughs> and it didn't take long for football to take over as my favorite sport. Uh, I got to, and I got to jump in here because mm-hmm. uh, our guest, Danny White is being humble. Uh, you had a 32 and four record. You were an All-American. You set seven passing records and you averaged 41 yards per punt. I think you were doing a little more than handing it off to playmakers, my friend. There was a little bit more. You're very humble. Not to mention, and it's now a good time, Preston, you played some school called New Mexico at one point and threw six touchdown passes. I don't, does that hurt? Does that hurt 88? Can, let me tell you. Let me tell you that story real quick. Oh, I I, I separated my shoulder in the third game. Ooh, and um, they went out and found Grady and brought him back on the team. Why? Really? Grady starts the next three games, and we lose in Corvallis. We lose to Oregon uh, State, and beeps. and wow. so we travel to Albuquerque. We're, I'm on the sideline. I went with the team, but I'm not. I'm not ready to play, and I'm still recovering. Coach Cush comes up to me on the sideline and says, Hey, White, you're starting. Grady's nervous. <laughs> what? Like that. And I wait, wait, hold it, coach. Coach, I can't, I can't, I can't throw. I'm I'm I don't have my full arm strength yet. Ah, don't worry about it. We'll run the ball. So we run the ball down the field, get down to like the two-yard line. He calls this little bootleg, and I roll out and, and I throw a pass to Steve Holden, wide open in the end zone, right? So I come off the field, and Cush, is, Cush, Cush meets me on the side. and says, hey, White, you're staying in. Grady's still nervous. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic. And so oh. at the end of the day, as you said, 
I was nine for 12 for 124 yards, nothing spectacular, mm. six touchdowns. Wow. <laughs> six of my nine, six of my nine completions were touchdown passes. And, it, but again, it, it was a screen pass to Woody Green. It was a mm-hmm. bootleg to Steve Holden. It was, it was nothing, nothing spectacular. And yet the next day they named me AP UPI National College Player of the Week. Grady quit again, and my <laughs> career was was back on track. But, you know, there were some things like that that happened that I have I I cannot say I had a lot of control over, but um, somebody somebody wanted me to play football. I think <laughs> that is that is un- and a big shout out to Grady wherever Grady may be. Yeah, um, Grady. There's a lesson in his journey as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Danny, I, your college career was incredible. Baseball, yeah. it's a theme on this show, including my co-host here. Mm-hmm. It seems to be everybody's first love. But the whole punting thing, I mean, absolutely amazing that you were did and this, by the way, followed you into the NFL. We'll get there. But how did you ever I mean, first if somebody was doing that now in the NFL, doing that which Incidentally, bizarrely enough, this week, Patrick Mahomes says, oh. I'm the backup punter. And I went, excuse me, I don't think I've heard that since Danny White. <laughs> that that would be a whole marketing campaign Subway I, would be calling up, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I, I never understood it. I never understood what the big deal was. I punted all my life. It just wow. has a, just a street punter. I never went to punting school or trained, you know, to be a punter. I just, but what, so what it's third down. You don't make it. You just stay out there and you catch the ball and you punt it. What I loved about, and, 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 uh, you know, not only did it save a spot on the roster, somebody on that roster got a job because I was the punter. Otherwise yep. they would have been cut. Yeah. And, and so I, that made me feel good. I was contributing, but I loved to, to run from punt formation. I did it 19 times and, and uh, I would just catch the ball and watch the rush. And, and this is, this is where it was unique because most punters are not used to catching the ball and watching the rush at the same time. Yeah. But I could do that because of the shotgun formation. And I, I was just, I was used to, to doing it. And so, I would love to catch it. And if they didn't rush or if they rushed too tight, I would, and it was the right down and distance, the right place on the field. You know, I wouldn't do it backed up on our own five yard line and fourth and 15. Um, But I would start to run. And if they came off and they saw me, I'd just pull up and kick it. I punted one past. I was past the line of scrimmage. It was fourth and 11 (laughs) against, against the Rams. Really? And and I was past the line of scrimmage and I could see I wasn't going to make it. They were, and I just kicked it. Wow. You know, you can punt a ball from anywhere on the field. Right. And now you might have linemen down the field. So what? You get a five yard penalty and you punt again. So why? I I don't understand why more punters haven't done that. Um, Hmm. Uh, but, but that, that was, I punted for eight years four four when I was a backup to Roger and then mm-hmm. four as the starter. 
I did both. Um, and it was nothing. It was, it was just something I that came natural for me, and, and I loved doing it. I can't love that enough. Special teams yeah. never gets enough love, and it and it, it's just such a spotlight on how much the game has changed. Everybody's a specialist now, and we're yeah. looking back at an era with Danny White's playing quarterback and punting. Um, in college, he's playing DB. Uh, it, it's just such a different era now. I, yeah. I want to jump up to the pros yeah. here, as Preston allows, because you have such a fascinating journey. And I have to be honest, as a younger guy, I watched your whole career for a lot of reasons, particularly the Los Angeles Rams and those <laughs> battles, which have became so famous. But but you took such a different route. The Cowboys drafted you as a punter in the third round, but you decided to go to the World League. I actually had a football coach who played in the World League, so it's always been an interesting subject. What what was behind that decision? Well, you know, I, I never thought I was – drafted as a punter. I, I always thought it was as a quarterback, um, but punting was just another way to contribute. So I got drafted, went to rookie camp with the Cowboys, um, and, and getting drafted in the third round was later than I had hoped, but I was the first quarterback drafted that year, which was a pleasant surprise. Interesting. Um, okay. There were there were several quarterbacks who were rated above me, mm-hmm. but Gil Brandt and Tom Landry drafted me ahead of all of them, first pick of the third round. And so I went I, – they, they offered me a contract. I went to rookie camp. Gil Brandt called me and said, hey, we're going to increase your offer. And, and they finally offered me $60,000. Well, let's see, what was it? It was – no, it was – it was like 34, 40, and 45 with a 40,000. It, it, it added up to an average of $50,000 a year when you, when you total everything, the signing bonus and everything. Wow. Well, one day I get a phone call from John Bassett, literally a phone call. From, John Bassett was the founder and the, the owner of the, what was then the Toronto Northmen North. of the World Football League. And he said, Danny, what would it take to get you to come play in the World League? <clears throat> and I just took Gil's final offer, and I doubled it. Yep. And I came up with I said, you, you, and I don't care how you structure it. I want $100,000 a year, which was a fortune. Huge. Um, and, and I'll do it. And he said, you got it. Just like that. Just like wow. that. You got it. And I'm kick, I kicked myself ever since for not asking for more. <laughs> he, said, he said, you got it. Get on the plane. We're going to have you in Toronto and have an announcement and have you sign a contract. And wow. Now, in the, in the next few weeks, the team moved to Memphis right. and mm-hmm. became the Memphis, Memphis. Southman, Southman Grizzlies. <laughs> One of the great sports names of all, the Memphis Southman Grizzlies. Wow. wow. And so I played, and and it was mainly because not partly money, twice mm-hmm. as much money. But the Cowboys had Roger Staubach, Craig Morton, <laughs> Marv Bateman was the punter. What, what was I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and, Interesting. And so I thought, well, here's an opportunity to play. And, and John Hewitt was was another quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, John McVeigh, Sean McVeigh's grandfather, mm. 
was our coach. Wow. And we had players like um, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Paul Warfield, mm. all three of them wow. came to play for us in the World League after they wow. their undefeated season. So it was a great experience. Uh, wow. After two years, the Cowboys still had my still had my rights in the NFL, and they had traded Craig Morton and, yep. and Marv Bateman. So I would step in as the backup to Roger and uh, the punter. And Gil came to me, and he said the words out of his mouth were, after your experience in the World League, we consider you a first-round draft pick, and we're going to pay you accordingly. So he gave me a contract, a five-year contract of $60,000 a year and a $70,000 signing bonus. And I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Well, you know, in everybody's mind, I know they ask this question. It's just been a common moniker out there. You're with the Dallas Cowboys. In all of your thoughts, the world's team, America's team, everybody's team. Yeah. <laughs> Did it really feel like that? I mean, was that mystique really that serious or it was just a little catchphrase? What was it playing for the Cowboys? Well, yeah, and, and you know, the players hated that. Did uh, they really? Tex, really? Tex Ram came up with it. Well, Preston, you can't tell me that the week that you played the Cowboys, mm-hmm. that on your bulletin board, there wasn't something up there about America's team. Yep. We're playing America's <laughs> team this week, you know. And coaches used it to motivate their players. They wanted yeah. – people wanted to kill us. Yeah. I mean, the Redskins hated it. The Steelers hated us. Everybody hated us because of that moniker. And um, the as players, we – Absolutely hated it. Um, Interesting. But I will say that playing for Tom Landry, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to because I never played for anybody else. But yeah, wow. Um, what what a blessing in my life it was. Not only because of um, his his innovations on the field, mm-hmm. you know, the shotgun, the 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 lineman shifting up and down, the flex defense. Uh, the most, mm-hmm. all the motion that we used, um, he had all these little, you could call them gimmicks, but they were mm-hmm. they were little things that it took a lot of discipline to run it, to run his offense, mm-hmm. but it gave us an edge, and we always felt like it did. It gave us confidence, and so playing for the Cowboys was special in that regard. Not not because mm-hmm. of the America's Team thing or the the cheerleaders or any of that stuff. It was. Um, it was the fact that Tom Landry ran, he created an environment where ordinary athletes could achieve extraordinary results. And by that, I mean, if you look at those Super Bowl teams of the late mm-hmm. 70s, mm-hmm. and you look at guys like Roger and Drew Pearson and Leroy Jordan and Jethro Pugh and Robert Newhouse and Charlie Waters and those guys. They were all if they if they tried to play today and they went to the combine, the combine would spit them out because they were all too slow. Yeah. They were all too small to play in the NFL. Wow! But but there were guys who hated to lose with a passion, and and um, uh, that that was the thing that I noticed 
first and foremost when I got there was when I went to the practice field the first time and there was Leroy Jordan and Roger mm-hmm. Staubach and mm-hmm. these guys all out there lifting weights outside in our little, our little patio that had all of our weights on it. And, um, I learned very quickly that, uh, there's a reason the Dallas Cowboys were who they were. And it wasn't the America's team. That America's team thing came along really after I got there. Okay. Um, I remember that, <laughs> but it was like in 77 or 78, mm-hmm. something like that uh, mm-hmm. came up with it. And, um, and it's been that way ever since. And players still hate it um, because it just it just gives it just lights a fire under the opposing team, you know, every week, and and you have to deal with that. But I uh, always felt like the Cowboys got uh, a little upset about the whole steel curtain thing, hmm. and that's where they came up with America's team. And it still lives. I mean, commercials just two yeah. days ago. The Rams yeah. are playing the Cowboys in, here soon. They're talking about America's team. What an mm-hmm. incredible history with that. Yeah, it 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 is pretty amazing. That was a uh, that that was a pretty pretty special day when he came up with it. When Tex came up with it, um, and it's stuck, and I think it'll be there forever. Uh, and I I just can't imagine now after thirteen seasons with the Cowboys, I. Had you know, I could have gone to another team and played, or but retiring was uh, the only option because I couldn't see myself wearing another uniform. I just, right, I just right. could not see it. Um, and once you become a Dallas Cowboy and you're a Dallas Cowboy for life, back then, mm-hmm. as you know, Preston, you know, players played for one team a lot more than they do today. Today, uh, yeah. they're yes, chasing sir. money. And quarterbacks do it a little bit, but it's not very often you see a guy just play for one team. You know what, Danny, you talked about um, Coach Landry. And um, to hear it from someone who didn't play for him, I thought he was special, too. Told Stacy about this story. And a real short version of that is after every game we play the Cowboys, certainly we got a chance to say hello to the guys and you and so on. But I always went to Coach Landry. After my career was over, I received a personal letter from him. And I used to run a celebrity golf tournament in Albuquerque. I brought some Cowboys in, and and we hosted at my house. And not one of them had that personal letter of well wishes. And it was a great pleasure to play against you. And I thought that of him, too. And I didn't even play for him. I thought he was a great coach. And in 84, I almost went to the Cowboys. I didn't really? believe I was going to. Yeah, I was being I traded know. by John Robinson and they'd made a deal for Butch Johnson and myself, even swap. And I thought I was going to St. Louis through Dallas and I didn't accept the deal and they shipped me off to Buffalo. But Tom Landry, I got it on my wall today. It's a beautiful laminated letter, his signature. And I don't know if there's any other Cowboys that have that, but that's from a guy that didn't play for him that really admired him. Well, that sounds like him. That I mean, he and Gil did little things that nobody else did like mm-hmm. that. That's a perfect example, Preston, of what of the kind of guy that the kind of organization that they were. Gil, you know, to, to get Roger, to mm-hmm. to get Drew Pearson, free free agent, undrafted free agent, guys mm-hmm. like Preston Pearson, 
was a basketball player. Mm -hmm. um, Rayfield Wright out of, uh, where was he, Appalachia State or someplace? Mm -hmm. I mean, they went to these little little schools and found players um, in the strangest places, and it's it and it was it was Gil and and Tom and just they were they were uh, they were just incredible. They were ahead of their time when it came to finding mm -hmm. the kind of players. And this is what Tom Landry taught me, maybe more than anything else. I asked him when I was having lunch with him, and I asked him what what made him unique. Uh, what what was the key to his success? And he took out a piece of paper and drew a circle and put a bunch of dots in it. And he said, you know, he said scientists and, and Coach Landry wasn't a talker. He he was not a man of a lot of words. Um, but for some reason, this got him going. He said, you know, scientists tell us that in a molecule, and that circle was a molecule, there are charged particles. And through an electron microscope, you can move those particles around. And if you get enough of them in a straight line, the rest of them fall into line without any force being applied to them. Mm -hmm. and, and then he, then I said, and then he sat back and I said, okay, coach, <laughs> with your success as a football coach, he said, well, and he put an SB up at the top of the circle. And he said, this is the Super Bowl. And then he put a little line over to the side. And he said, we've decided that we're going to go to that line and then around. That's the way we're going to get to the Super Bowl. And wow. you put those dots in a straight line headed that way. And then all the others. And you got this straight line of charged particles headed towards your goal. And I said, okay, wow. coach, you got, you still haven't got me yet. <laughs> he said, well, those first few dots that you put into line are your captains. Mm -hmm. And that line over to the side of the circle is your philosophy. And if you get enough guys lined up in, in a straight line towards your philosophy and they buy into it, the rest of the dots representing the players will fall into line without any force being applied to it. It's choosing the right captains, he yeah. said, is the key to his. And I said, well, coach, you didn't pick the captains. We did. We voted for the captains every year. You had us write three names down, and then and, and we picked the captains. You didn't. He said, yeah, but who counted the votes? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Love it. That is awesome. <laughs> Oh and, my God. and that's that's why guys like Leroy and Roger and, and uh, House and, and those guys were always the captains because they set the tone. They ran the team. Yeah. And uh, wow. that was, according to Coach Landry, his key to success was finding the right players. And, and that's what Gil and Tom were just together. They were magical. Mm. Incredible. I have to say that I remembered an interview from when I was a kid watching you. And I look, I'm just going to come out with it, Danny, here. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an older guy now, but back then, man, I hated you. <laughs> I just, every time against the Rams, uh, it was always, we're going to have to go through the Cowboys. It, that's just the way it was back in the 70s and 80s. Um, but I went back because I remembered an interview with Tom Landry, and I thought, when he was asked about you, he said it so well. 
he said that you were very underappreciated, that you're a proven winner. He said that the, the only reason Danny isn't talked about a lot more, and I'll never forget it. I went back and found it. He said it's because he was wedged between Roger and Troy. But <laughs> people don't remember that Danny White carried this team. And so I think it's really cool to hear that story. Thank you for sharing that because he clearly yeah. valued you at that level. Well, thank you. And that was the greatest compliment I think I've ever been paid is when he called me one of the greatest winners Yep. that we've had in football. And, and I have that quote uh, I love it. on my wall because it's, it's pretty special uh, coming from him. And, you know, my relationship with him and with Roger, I mean, th- these are people who share my um, beliefs, my priorities. And um, I was so lucky to have been able to be associated with those men. Um, Roger was such a great, example to me um i'll tell you a real quick story about roger he he everybody his his comp his competitiveness is is legendary he he and he and i would compete to the death at anything we could compete at uh ping pong i first time i played him in ping pong at training camp as a rookie he was the king of the ping pong table my whole life growing up he didn't know he he thinks i got this little rookie well i beat him and that pat the paddle stuck in the wall when he when he threw it after i beat and that's when i started saw the first little piece of but he and i became great friends um i think because we not only were we competitors but we shared these beliefs and we competed in workouts and I remember bench pressing um, and the Cowboys quarterback bench press record was 290 pounds. Wow. One day, one day um, I was particularly feisty and we were standing around, we were all working out together and I put three Oh five on, on the bench <laughs> and I got it. And I got Did you? And, oh. and everybody was screaming and yelling and cheering and, Way to go, Wiz. Way to go, man. And, and, and except for Roger. Oh. <laughs> Roger, Roger was standing there with this scowl on his face. Yeah. And he just turned around, walked in the in the locker room. He came out about 30. He said, Where's Roger going? What's the matter with Roger? Oh, Roger. Roger's pissed. And, 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 <laughs> and he came walking out about 30 seconds later with a Coke cup, a paper, red Coke cup what's he gonna do with that he came around to the bar with 305 pounds on it and he took the bottom out of that coke cup and he stuck it on the end of the bar and he went around and got underneath it and bench pressed it (laughs) i held the cowboys bench press record for, uh, for about five minutes, minutes. Five minutes. And, and he, got, he beat me by the weight of a Coke cup. Wow. And uh, that, that was, that was Roger. And he claims, uh, you know, I don't know if it's true, but I'll take it as a compliment that he wouldn't have been mm-hmm. the, as good a quarterback if it hadn't been for me competing mm-hmm. with him and pushing him. And then oh, he also said man. one of the reasons he retired was because he knew I was ready to, to, to take over. And wow. he'd had some concussions, and he was going to play a couple more years. But he said knowing that I was there influenced him. So that's that's a big compliment. But, that's you know, the, 
those are the kind of stories, guys, that, that yeah. I mean, to me, my career for whatever value is, is, is all a result of the people around me. And, and right. the right. fact that I didn't choose them, I just kind of fell into line and, and uh, was lucky enough to be surrounded by, by people like that. Wow. That is an Incredible. outstanding story. I mean, who because when we yeah. got ready to play the Cowboys, you know, a lot of times they say, well, let's get number one out of there and bring in number two. Well, number one and number two were just as good as two and one. And so <laughs> it didn't matter. We had to ball out. But the hour's growing late. I know Stacy's got a couple more questions for you. We want to get oh. to that two-minute drill. But I got I got one question to ask you. Uh, and, and, let's, and take us to your coaching uh, tenure. Yeah. Yeah. After playing and having a successful career, you went into coaching. Was that by choice or a great opportunity presented itself? Yeah, it, I was I was living in Dallas and I was kind of bouncing around between oil and gas business and the real estate business and wow. and doing some things. And I got a call from Dick Van Arsdale, of all people, really, who, who was in the front office for the Phoenix Suns. Oh. And he said, Danny, and I knew Dick, and and that's why it was him that called me and not Jerry or Brian. But he said, Jerry and Brian Colangelo just purchased a franchise for the Arena Football League. Mm -hmm. And they want to know if you'd have any interest in moving back to Phoenix and starting up that team for them. And, you know, (laughs) again – it couldn't have come at a better time because I was anxious to get back with my fa- all my siblings and parents mm-hmm. and all all live still lived there and uh, uh, so I jumped on that and and again what a what a great experience to um, to coach to start up that I've never had as much fun in my life. Preston, I this would have been a great game for you. Um, yeah. Then coaching arena football. Never had so much fun in my life with football as wow. those 12 years wow. of coaching the Arizona Rattlers. And, you know, it's one thing to, to win a championship as a player, mm-hmm. but you're just one little piece in a giant puzzle. Imagine being the guy putting that puzzle putting together. Putting that puzzle together, uh, yeah. Championship, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh. And and you don't get all the attention. You don't get, you know, because the players get it, and they should. But, man, what what a tremendous feeling it is to uh, be the head coach or, or be a coach and and see your designs mm-hmm. implemented on the field and, and successfully. Yeah. Outstanding. I feel like you wow. were the face of arena football there for like a decade. Like I think I feel like you as well as a couple others really put that whole league on the map. Yeah, um, and I, I still don't know to this day why it wasn't more successful. We just could not get the TV ratings that we needed yeah. for it to allow us to pay the players what we were paying them. We were paying them pretty good money, and but we just could not. We 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 put fifteen thousand five hundred and five people in America West. Back then, it was America West Arena where the yeah. Suns play. Every for every game that was a sellout. We sold out every game for ten years, and um, played every playoff game in that arena, and won the Arena Bowl, and still lost money. Yeah. So you know, with with all with 
the only revenue that you're getting is coming from ticket sales and, and local advertising. You, you have to, they ended up going to the AF2 model, mm -hmm. which is paying the players a lot less money, but the owners at least made money. That's what they're doing to this day. Yeah. Is the players don't get nearly the, the money that they got back in or the coaches, mm -hmm. but at least it's successful and it's generating a profit. But that, that's what we, we sold out every game and, and still couldn't make a profit. And that was the problem without TV revenue. Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. There was a certain big league that probably played a little role in that too. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that one alone. That's just my theory, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, Stace, well, you take it away, my friend. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm going to do the two minute drill. I, you I are going to do it. I'm tempted of course, to ask Danny about his country music career. But oh, I, yeah. I don't want to blind I don't oh. want to blindside him. We'll, another time. But I, we'll do that another time. Uh, I've listened to the song. It's a good song. It's a good duet. Oh. Yeah, I, was, I liked it. Okay, we'll get back to that. But let's do the two minute drill with the iconic Danny White. Danny, this is just rapid fire. Just gives us a chance to learn about you. So here they come: turf or grass? Uh, today's turf or the turf when I played? Oh. <laughs> We've never been asked that. Well, I know the answer to that one. Yeah, yeah. The turf that I played and when Preston played, that AstroTurf that they started out in Houston with, that AstroTurf is what it was called. Man, that was brutal. It was literally a little piece of carpet, carpet over concrete. I know to this day, I know to this day that Part of the six back surgeries that I've had is a result of playing on that those yeah. first generation astroturfs. Now, today it's it's pretty good stuff. Pretty good I wouldn't stuff. I would not mind playing on astro on the artificial turf of today. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. Preston is pleased with that answer. That's great. Great, that's it. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, next question: College World Football League, NFL, or Arena League? What would you choose? It's tough. <laughs> uh, well, again, <laughs> as a player or a coach, uh, I'm gonna go player. As a player, I would I would choose the NFL. As a coach, I would choose arena football. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, That's big a shout out. Part. Yeah. Yeah, two times. I mean, a champion, championship coach. I love it. Okay, Danny, your favorite movie? Ooh. Oh. Stumps him every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait till he gets the last question. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's favorite movie. Thing. You know, um, I, I honestly don't know. Um, it's okay. Probably one we should ask your wife. Question. I can tell you one of my favorites. Um, um, North Dallas. One of my favorites <laughs> would have to be. Um, <laughs> uh, go ahead say it come on well i don't know which one to say uh both, both. no wrong answers okay i'm i'm gonna it, it would be in my top 10 at least but uh phantom of the opera oh that's a great although one. Yeah. although although the cowboys john wayne and, oh. and the cowboys has got to be right up there too um that's a classic Boy, I yeah, that's that's a and I am a big movie and music buff. Um, you know, the piano has been a big part of my life. 
playing oh, the piano and wow. So, so, so any of my favorite movies would have to have great music. Okay. Um, so I did not the Phantom of the Opera. I feel like that's a teaser for a second interview down the road. We did not, I did not know this about (laughs) you. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with just a couple more. The most underrated teammate you played with at any level. Robert Newhouse. Wow. Yeah. Man, he was alone. He was, yeah, he was. He was <laughs> alone. That guy. House wasn't was he wasn't big, but his his right. eyes were his bigger thighs. around my waist. Yeah. No, yeah, and and I'll tell you, the guy. In fact, it's the only. I went to Coach Landry. You know, we we got a guy by the name of Ron Springs came with yeah. us. A great, great athlete. Mm-hmm. Ron mm-hmm. was and. Um, but he was young. He was a rookie. And, and I remember going to Coach Landry on the sideline, and I would, had been beaten up. I don't even remember who we were playing. And I said, Coach, I, I am not going back out there without House. You, you <laughs> put Robert New House in the game at fullback, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll go back out there. But otherwise, uh, I, I don't want any part of it. Because wow. House, House would – he's one of those guys that would just yeah. uh, do whatever it took <sighs> to get special. the job done. and. Um, I loved playing with him, but he never got, never got the course. He's, yeah. he's fullback with Tony Dorsett and, yeah. you know, so he's just not going to get the attention that Tony got. Boy, I'll bet if we pulled linebackers from the late seventies, early eighties that had to get in the a gap with Robert Newhouse, they would go, yeah, yeah I didn't like that guy very much. <laughs> well, he, was, he was like a twin to Earl Campbell, not as big, oh, but the same yeah. kind of a, same yeah. kind of a runner, that type of runner. Wow. Unbelievable. Love that choice. Yeah. Okay. Coach uh, White, you're can I greatest. Give you an honor- can I give you an honorable mention? Of course. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. guys, you're, you're picking my brain now and you got stuff. Love it. Uh, Mike Renfro. Okay. Is oh, right. Another, right. You know, a uh, great receiver that was too small and too slow. Oof. But somehow I remember him get, catching a pass on fourth and 15 against the Vikings because he ran an out takeoff, you know. And got, how do you get a corner to bite on fourth and 15 when they've got a lead? It's like the last play of the game. But he did. And anyway, so Robert Newhouse, Mike Renfro. There you God, go. I love choice. those choices. That is such yeah. a trip down memory lane for me. I love it. <laughs> Uh, your greatest football achievement. You've had quite a few. <laughs> greatest football achievement. Um, it it was important to me. Uh, not not it wasn't a win loss record, as much as it was winning playoffs, and I think the the. I only started and finished five seasons for the Cowboys. I played in a sixth one, but I broke my wrist in the middle of the season and didn't. I only played eight games. Um, but in the five seasons that I started and finished, we played in ten playoff games. So an average of two playoff games a year. We won one three. Three, we went to three NFC championship games the first three years that I started. Um, just couldn't get one at home. Uh, I think that was the key to getting to the Super Bowl. But I played in two Super Bowls, won one and lost one, but not as the starter. I was a backup mm-hmm. to Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I just think 
think the Cowboys would probably be happy with 10 playoff games in five years uh, today. And, and I think just the fact that we were, we were, you know, competing and in the hunt every year, it wasn't enough, wasn't good enough for Cowboy fans. Cause if you didn't win the Super Bowl, uh, it wasn't good enough, but I think, I think that was, was, was probably the thing I would like to be remembered for. Uh, is just incredible. I was a quarterback on on winning winning football teams. Yeah, I, I want to add that I remember the year you got hurt. You guys were either the number one or number two offense in the league when you hurt. We were your number wrist. one. Yeah, we were number one, and that was the year we got Herschel Walker. That's right. Oh yeah, Herschel, yeah. Herschel and Tony in the uh, backfield together, and wow, I've never had terrifying. so much fun playing quarterback in my life <laughs> because. Yeah. I'll, because Herschel would line up at fullback or tail, and then he'd shift, and, yeah. and you just watch the defense react. Because he would go to the slot, or he'd go to tight end, or he'd go out wide, or he'd go to tailback. You know, they never knew where he was going to go and how they were going to cover him. <laughs> wow, um, you guys, you guys he was were a special. Too. He was a special football player now, but yes, he was. But yeah, that was that was the the that year, nineteen eighty six. We were six and two. Yep. And we were on a on a pace to break all the scoring and yardage records. I remember it all too well. <laughs> and then you got hurt. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that that happened. But fi- final question: We got to get you out of here, Danny. Uh, who plays you in a movie of your life? <laughs> I got a feeling I know what he might say you, based you on an earlier are, answer. Well. <laughs> John Wayne. I knew it. I nailed it. <laughs> you, yeah, I mean, he had to go there. Right? I said he was going to say the Duke. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, Duke. the Duke. What an absolute pleasure yeah. this has been yeah. with the great Danny White. Iconic yes, is an understatement. <laughs> Can't thank you enough for joining Preston and I, and yeah. and for your uh, fellow uh, brother in arms over there. Any final words for Danny there, number eighty-eight? Man, Danny, you, you, you made a, a great evening. I really appreciate it. Um, you have no idea. Yeah, you probably have a little bit, but you have no idea how much I really, really appreciate everything you are and what you've been. A true person, a friend, and, you know, a father would always enjoy and have the comfort of knowing that another man could respect and take care of their child. You did that in the athletic field. Wow. And you grew my boy up. I want to thank you personally for that. Well, thank you, Preston. And let me tell you, the Denard family has been special to me, too. And and uh, that boy of yours is something special. I loved him. I loved him as a father. Oh, man. Guys. So please give him my best. And I and, sure will. Uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. I, I uh, just got to get back to my – John Wayne movies now. And, uh, <laughs> oh, there you, you go. Me, you put me a little behind. I got to get caught up. And your lovely bride. And your lovely bride. Congratulations. This is yes, this has been amazing to the great Danny White and my partner, number 88, Mr. Preston Denard. Thanks for joining us on Gridiron Icon. Follow us in all the usual places, including YouTube. If you'd like to see Danny and how he's doing now, follow along. You can follow us on social media and all the other places. And again, to the great Danny White, thank you. And Preston and I will see you all next week. 